0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a Catholic and a Protestant walk into a podcast. We are glad that you are here with us today.
1: And my name is Ben. And uh, my name is Dante. Um, And today we have on the podcast a a very special guest. Um, She is live from an RV, which is amazing. Um, Her name is is Maddie Pines. Uh, She is a, a, a Butler student. Um, she is a Center for Faith and Vocation scholar and the new vice president of, of Butler Hillel. So we are, we're honored to to have her on the podcast. And with that being said, I will let her say a little bit more about herself uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of dive right in. So Maddie, take it away.
2: Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Maddie, like Dante just said. Um, I'm a sophomore at Butler. I'm currently um, the sitting VP for Hillel, um, and I am part of the Reformed Jewish faith.
1: Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, so I guess first, you know what, we might as well just address it before we even dive in. Where? So you're in an RV. Tell us a little bit. I know you've already <laughs> kind of explained it to, to both Ben and I, so I don't want to be too repetitive here, but, but what's, what's the deal?
2: Um, so my brothers are both both virtual this semester, um, so my parents decided to rent an RV for the year and go coast to coast, um, and so when Butler went virtual, I packed up and I joined them in North Carolina, and so far we've traveled down to South Carolina.
1: That's pretty, that's pretty incredible. I love it.
0: Um, yeah, I love that your family just decided to do that with this year, making the most of it, so that's awesome.
2: Yeah. Well, it was already a bummer year, so why not make the most of it?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. True yeah. that. True that. Um, well, we, would, go uh, ahead, we would love to hear a little bit more of just your own faith background. So I know we're we're diving in deep to start us off, but but just tell us a little bit about your faith journey and how you ended up where you are now in your faith, the things that influenced that, um, you know, your family background and things like that. But how did you end up where you are now in your own faith?
2: Absolutely. Um, I've always been Jewish. Both my parents are Jewish. Both my parents' parents are Jewish, um, and so forth, all the way back. So I've grown up with this culture um, of Judaism around me. And when I say culture, I truly mean Judaism isn't just a religion, um, but it's very much a culture and a way of life as well. Um, and really, my family, I think, is the reason why I'm here today. Um, when I was little, I practiced Judaism because I mean, my whole family did. Um, So there really wasn't a choice. But after I was bat mitzvahed, um, my parents turned to me and they're like, now this is your choice. You can either continue on with this religion or you can move on and explore stuff on your own. Um, But Judaism is just something that I've been so connected to and is such ingrained in my heart. Um, And that really stems from my family. My family is so important to me. Um, And they just, they give unconditional support. And that's really led me to be how involved I am in my faith today.
1: Awesome, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so I, I, we also wanted to to ask you a little bit about like the evolution of your faith a little bit, I guess, from when you were uh, a child to maybe like when you were in high school to now in college. Um, has your faith like change in those like phases of your life, Um, or has it stayed pretty much the same? What do you think?
2: When I was a child, it was definitely, I wouldn't, I don't wanna say convenience, but it was definitely a practice Judaism because that's what my family did. Um, I went to Sunday school because I was told I had to not because I wanted to. Um, in fact, when I was little, I detested Sunday school because all my friends were having sleepovers on Saturday nights, and I wasn't allowed to because I had to wake up Sunday morning to go to Sunday school. But as when I got older, it really it started to become a more important role in my life. Um, when I was in high school, I took um, a trip to Israel, and I had always been Jewish, but it wasn't necessarily as religious as my family had. Um, and after my trip to Israel, it really, everything kind of changed for me um, because everything that I've heard my whole entire life all of the biblical stories, um, the coattail, my family's history um, from moving out of Russian Poland because of um, Jewish stereotypes. And so that all became real to me in Israel. Um, It was just everything I heard finally came together. And I think that's when the switch really flicked, that it wasn't, I wasn't practicing Judaism anymore because it's what my family practiced. I was practicing it because this is what made the most sense to me. It is who I was. Um, So I went back to Israel several more times after that, just to keep up with my faith. Um, And when I came to college, I was pretty secure in my religious background Um, I have a really good community around me, um, especially back in St. Louis where I'm from, I have a strong Jewish community that supports me. Um, So moving to school, I was hesitant to leave that community and to leave that, um, but I also knew that I was gonna find that same community um, in Indianapolis and I did. So actually my rabbi who was my rabbi in St. Louis, the year I moved to Butler, she happened to relocate to Indy um, and working at a nearby temple which was fantastic for me. So I already had that connection to the temples in Indianapolis. Um, and then I really have a great, there's a great Jewish community on Butler's campus. Um, we're small, but we're mighty and everybody is so caring. Um, and it's just, it's it's a different type of practice, but it's still practicing just the same.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah, and, I, and I can definitely relate to parts of that too. I think that, uh, as a Catholic, um, I, I relate to the, to the Sunday school and when you're a kid, sometimes you feel like you're, you're being forced to like go to, go to church and, and go to like religious education classes. And like, there are like many times where you're like, I just don't want to go. I, I don't get it. I'm, well, you, you feel like sometimes you're being dragged for sure. So I, I can relate to that. But then, um, yeah, the, the concept of like kind of making it your own, um, has been really awesome you said like after you were bar mitzvah, like that was kind of an opportunity for you to, to take um ownership of of your faith and so like in the catholic faith like that's confirmation which is like one of the series of sacraments that that we go through and like that's our opportunity to kind of just decide to make it our own and like really become a part of the church um and so yeah so i can i can kind of relate to that um for sure and that that's that's really cool so yeah, Thank you. I love to. I love to that. You talked about Israel. I
0: I've gotten to go to Israel twice as well, and it's an incredible place, like just the amount of history and things to learn about and see and experience. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Like what what do you think that you learned or experienced or saw during those trips that you had um, that really impacted your view of Judaism?
2: So I've been to Israel um, three times. The first time I went, I went with my family, um, actually for my brother Dylan's bar mitzvah. Um, my brother Dylan, we, he's very religious um, and he's very much a history history buff. Um, so he was really into all the facts and all the stories and really what he wanted to do was he wanted more than anybody um, to go to Israel. And so my parents said, okay, if you wanna go for your bar mitzvah, like fine, we'll support that. So he was really the one that kind of pushed that first trip. Um, And in that trip, it was a lot of stories. We went to um, a lot of different places and events that you hear about um, in different, well, in the Torah, but also um, in the Old Testament. So we went to um, where King David was hiding and we went to Masada and we went to um, just a whole bunch of places that have different biblical recognitions. but the most amazing one was definitely my first time seeing the Western Wall. Um, And so you walk up and you're walking through the old city of Jerusalem to the Western Wall and it's super narrow streets, almost alley-like ways and it's cobblestone. Um, And you walk in and you open up to this huge clearing and there in front of you is a Western Wall and right behind it, you have um, the Dome of the Rock and it's so insanely beautiful and you see everybody they're praying and people are sobbing and it's just, it's so overcoming because that was the moment for me that was like, it was breathtaking. And I don't think I've ever felt that way in my faith that I don't think I've ever been closer to God than right in that moment when I was seeing the history, when I was seeing thousands of Jews saying they're praying and um, and I mean, in America, there's not a huge Jewish population. Um, in fact, I've been told by lots of people, especially on Butler's campus, that I'm one of the first Jews they've met. Um, and so, just to have so many Jews in the same area, all praying to the same God about all different things, it was just—it was so eye-opening. Um, and I couldn't. After that trip, I couldn't get enough. I wanted to get back to that connection. I wanted to further my Judaism, learn more. And that was really the spark for me that made me want to learn as much as I can. Um, So then my junior year of high school, I learned about a trip called the Jerusalem Journey, um, or TJJ. And it was a month long trip to Israel. And I was so nervous because I'm not the type of person that likes to be away from my family for any amount of time, let alone a month, let alone thousands of miles away. And it was terrifying, Um, but it was an application-based trip. So I was like, even if I apply, like I'm not guaranteed to get it, it's whatever, I'm just gonna try. So I applied Um, and a few days later, I got a phone interview about wanting me to come on the trip Um, and I was like, okay, it's just a phone interview. It's like, it doesn't mean I'm on. Um, And a week after that, they called me and said that they had a spot for me. I was like, yikes. Now this is real, and now I I have to decide. Just like, I'm going to go out of my comfort zone. This isn't something I'm going to do, but this is too good of an opportunity to pass up. Um, And essentially, the trip was through through the Orthodox Union, so it was a lot more religious than I was, um, because even though I'm more religious now, especially when I first took this trip, um, I was very reformed, knew the history, knew the stories, but didn't know all the laws, didn't know all the mitzvahs. I still don't, and I'm not going to pretend to know that. Um, But I was nervous because I was going with um, an Orthodox rabbi. An Orthodox is the most um, religious or practicing religiosity of the Judaism, different sectors. And so I remember getting on the flight and landing in Israel for the first time. Um, And it was me along with a bunch of people who I didn't know on a trip from all over the U.S., for a month in Israel. And that trip was the best thing I've ever done in my life. Um, Not only did I grow in my religious beliefs and what I knew and what I wanted to explore, but I also grew as a person and as an individual. Um, I learned not to take things at a face value in that trip um, and to start questioning. And Judaism really promotes questions. And I had a ton of questions on that trip. There was a lot of things I didn't agree about with Judaism or with the Orthodox branch of Judaism. But there's a lot of things I didn't know, and a lot of things that I had yet to experience. And that trip really was that key turning point in my faith.
1: Wow, yeah. I mean, I'm jealous of both of you. Yeah, I was. I had um, plans to travel to Israel um, last summer um, with a a group. I think it's a, a just a Christian group um, that takes. Uh, like people over there for kind of like a, I think they mostly take students at like kind of a discounted price. Um, Of course, COVID kind of ruined that plan, but I was really looking forward to that. So I'm I'm a little bit jealous of you guys, but because I think that that would be, like you just described an incredible experience. So yeah.
2: It really was, and if you can try to go on it, I would highly recommend there isn't a feeling like it.
1: I'm gonna try, I'm gonna really try. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's he, interesting. go ahead, Ben. Sorry.
0: Yeah. I was going to say it's like Israel. I mean, here we are is, uh, with Judaism, Protestant Christianity and Catholic Christianity and all value that place so much. And, and obviously for Islam as well. And so like, there's just so much religious history and I mean, tension maybe isn't the best word to use, but it's true. And lots of different things happening there there's just a mm-hmm. lot going on and so there's so much to learn and see from for, for a lot of religions for I guess the the big three uh mono-theistic religions so um there's a lot going on yeah yeah
2: absolutely. so it's cool to hear
0: about your experience what were you gonna ask Dante um
1: well I was since um Maddie kind of brought it up um I did I didn't want to talk a little bit about um, orthodox Judaism versus kind of like the reformed Judaism that you were talking about. Uh, I'm somewhat familiar with like orthodox Judaism, but that's just because of what I've seen from like pop culture and like kind of like the Hasidic like Judaism that were, that that is presented to us as like, this is what Judaism looks like, you know, like how like the media kind of does that. Um, but I'm, I wanted to ask you uh, as someone who's it, like, who is Jewish? Like, how do you perceive the differences? And, um, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Learn us a thing or two.
2: <laughs> yeah. So not all Jews are have wear the fuzzy hats with the curly hair and the long coats. Um, that is specifically for the Hasidim. Um, and they are a type of Orthodox Jews. Um, and they, they, um, and I'm not gonna pretend to know everything about the different branches, Um, but really the Hasidim, um, they focus solely on the Torah and the mitzvot, um, which are the good deeds of the Torah, um, and really studying that and trying to understand it and working hard um, to understand that Torah, that's really their priority is reading and questioning and reading the Torah. the orthodox as a whole and there's different types of orthodox you have modern orthodox um, and in modern orthodox those people are going to be the same as you and i wearing the same types of clothes um you have traditional orthodox um, and they're the type of people that don't have their hair showing um that are going to be wearing the long dresses the long having their um elbows and not their wrists covered um and so the orthodox again is the most um Religious of the different sectors of Judaism um, in terms of really their main priority is reading the Torah, studying the Torah, following the Torah's word as law. Um, Next, you have conservatives, and conservatives are, I would say, the second most religious. um, And really, the conservative sector of Judaism is a cross between following the Torah's law or following the Torah as law, but also allowing some room for interpretation based on modern times. So for example, um, one of the laws of Torah is keeping Shabbat, uh, meaning that you don't use any sort of electricity. Um, If you're Orthodox, you keep Shabbat. If you're conservative, that's more up for interpretation of how you want to go along with that, what keeping Shabbat means for you, um, what electricity means to you. So like if you have, if you're cooking um, and you have your oven preset and you stick something in and then take it out, is that using Shabbat, or is that keeping Shabbat still? So that's what the conservatives is. Um, Whereas reform, which is what I am, is you follow the Torah, but it's the laws are up for interpretation based on what's happening in, based on what's happening in the world. Um, So for example, really people used to keep Shabbat because it was supposed to be um, a time of rest. God rests on Shabbat, so that's why you keep Shabbat. Um, But resting looks different for us now than it did way long ago. So for me, when we keep Shabbat, um, Shabbat for me is the time to spend with family. That's how I get my rest. That is my um, time to rejuvenate. So that's what Shabbat looks like for me. Whereas the Orthodox Shabbat looks very different. You don't use electricity. um, You don't, no TV, no lights. So it's a different type. It's all Judaism, but it's how closely you follow the Torah's word, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does interesting what uh
0: this probably goes a little more theological but i was just out of curiosity what is like the way that you know leaders of of judaism or whoever maybe like kind of explains what laws are up for interpretation or not up for interpretation in reform judaism i don't know if that maybe you don't maybe you don't know i'm sure it's complicated i have no idea i'm literally just asking out of curiosity because i was just out of curiosity yeah
2: It is complicated, um, but essentially, there's a panel of rabbis that get together um, that review the Torah as well as the Talmud, um, which the Talmud is an explanation of the Torah written as a debate. Um, So, there's a group of rabbis that get together that are kind of the top rabbis, um, and they review it Um, and they talk about what laws are going to apply, what are not going to apply but what laws apply um how have laws changed so actually one of the big laws that just changed is for passover um, what foods you can and cannot eat on passover so passover you can't eat anything that rice anything that's leavened um, but some of that was also considered rice and beans um, considered not kosher you can't eat them um but recently that law has changed and so you can now there's no reason why um rice is no longer allowed on passover that's interesting
0: yeah that makes sense yeah i i I was curious we so i mean as a christian i believe fully in the old testament is equally true as the new so like i've read it and looked at so much and it's always interesting i think we have conversations in the christian church too of like what are the what are the laws of the old Testament that still hold you know mm-hmm. and we remember too that like those were written for a specific like a nation you know a, a mm-hmm. legit nation and so some of them don't apply because they're for a actual country and you know that country is different now so it it, it depends on things like that so it's, it's interesting to think about for sure yeah so that's cool to hear
2: yeah
1: yeah and and something else that I want to bring up that that you had mentioned as well. And a a question that we really like to ask on the podcast is um, first, like what is the thing that you appreciate the most about your faith? Like what is the thing that, that makes you want to continue to, to own it and to be a part of it? Um, And then so answer that. And then secondly, like, what is the thing that like you mentioned, like that you question the most about your faith or that you have trouble maybe kind of like reconciling yourself with about your faith. Um, so both of those.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely think I, I mean my faith is fantastic, but it's the culture and the people around it that make it that way. Um, wherever you go, there's always a joke um, within the Jewish community that wherever you go, there's always someone Jewish. Um, and no matter, who that person is, you automatically have a connection with them. Um, And so when I first came to Butler, I moved here from St. Louis. I knew literally no one. Um, And like I said earlier, I wasn't a huge fan of leaving home. So the fact that I was four and a half hours away, on top of the fact that I knew no one, was a really scary process. Um, So my first day alone on campus, I called my dad and I was like, Dad, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know anybody. And I was like, oh, go check out Hillel. It's was like, yeah, go check out Hillel. Um, Because it's really, even if you don't know somebody, if, you ha- if they're Jewish, then you have that connection and you can bond over that. Um, and so I think that that's a fantastic part. And it's really the support that the Jewish community gives out to each other is something that's fantastic. I mean, especially because there's not that many Jews, especially in the U.S., but just in the world in general, um, it's less than 2%. So it's having that connection with somebody and really bonding, and it's, I mean, it's fantastic. Um, I will say, though, there are some things that I grapple with in Judaism. Um, Going back to Israel, one of those things is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, Um, especially because there's been um, non-humane treatment on both ends, and so it's reconciling with um, how I feel about the right for the Jews to self-determinate um, and especially after the Holocaust having that same place um, but recognizing the treatment of the people currently living there and how how to reconcile with both of those feelings.
0: Yeah. That's a huge question. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Tough one, tough one for the world too, I feel like.
2: So.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I really do, do love you talking about, I guess there's an element of maybe like universality to like Judaism, like how, um, like in the Catholic faith, we love to say that like it's universal faith, like you, wherever you go in, on the globe, um, and this is true Christianity as a whole, like you will find a community, like there are people, um, and yeah, I just, I, I that's something that I just, I just love about the faith. And it's really cool that Butler has those like opportunities and communities, um, for people to, to like come together and celebrate that as a group. Um, cause we talked on the podcast uh, many times about like the importance of community, uh, in each of these faith groups. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Tell us a little bit about what it looks like to be involved with Hillel and what you guys do, um, here on campus.
2: Um, So, especially moving forward for the past few years, we have really tried to make Hillel um, an inclusive place that it's not just about Judaism, um, but rather anybody who wants to come and learn. We focused a lot on um, educations and holding programs that are education. Um, And Hillel is not, Hillel and Butler is not super religious um, because that's not our goal. Our goal is to come together as a community and go for some of those shared connections. Um, and so once a month we have Shabbat and everybody is welcome to Shabbat. Um, and we do our service and then we have a dinner. Um, and really the dinner is a time to connect and talk with friends, talk with um, different people who you wouldn't normally connect with. Um, because like I said earlier, Shabbat is a time to rest. And for me and for a lot of other Jews, resting is making those connections, talking with people who haven't seen throughout the week. Um, so it's really a special time and then besides Shabbat on our monthly our monthly Shabbats, we also have different programs um, throughout the year and throughout the different months, depending on the different Jewish holidays that are coming up. So on Rosh Hashanah, we had a Rosh Hashanah lunch. And over um, Hanukkah, we normally have a Hanukkah party. Over Tuba Shabbat, we have a day that's giving back to the environment. Um, so there's a lot of different events that coincide with different holidays because there's so many Jewish holidays.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I wanted to ask you too, just a little bit about um, how your, your faith um, impacts how you perceive your relationship with God. Um, I don't know if we have actually gotten around to, to asking very many other people on the podcast about like this specific question, but I think it's really interesting. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about like what is your relationship with God like? What does that look like? And how does uh, Judaism impact that?
2: Um, so it's it's an interesting question in Judaism, what God looks like, because Judaism is very big on not pretending to know something if we don't. Um, so we know that there is a God, but what that God looks like, what it acts like, we don't know and we don't pretend to know. Um, A big question in Judaism is whether or not we have free choice. If there's a book and from the moment we're born, if God opens up the book and this is how our life's going to be, or if within that we have room to make decisions um, to really determine our own path and our own life. And personally, I believe that we have free choice. I believe that there are some things that are set in stone, um, but that each of us have our ability to make those choices for ourselves with that said though i will say my connection with god hasn't always been a strong one um especially when i was younger and wasn't super religious um i thought there was a god there might have been a god but i mean it was i really didn't have a connection to it um and even now there's some things that i are happening in our community that make me question if there is a god why, why are we letting these things happen again? Um, and a big one for me was, still is, is the Holocaust. If there is a God, why would the Holocaust have happened? Why are we still having genocides to this day? Um, why, would, why would they let 12 million of supposedly their creations die, and out of those 12 million, 6 million Jews? Um, so, there's a lot of things I grapple with in the concept of God. Um, but I like to believe that there's a higher being out there um, that is looking over us and making sure that the world is going to turn out to be a place that is worth living in. Mm-hmm.
1: Ben,
0: <laughs> what's your response? Yeah, no, I was, I was interesting. That's really interesting to hear. Um, what uh, I was, I don't know what I want to ask at the moment. There's a lot of different thoughts I had, but um, basically I, I guess I'm curious, like when you think about these different holidays and things that point to God, how do you approach those even with the questions you have about who God is? Does that make sense? Like, so when you approach things like Hanukkah and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and things like that. Like, what do you, how do you approach those even with the questions that you have about who God is?
2: Yeah, so I will say on a holiday, I definitely feel closer. Um, and especially on the two high holy days of the year, so Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, um, it's really, I mean, I, I still have questions on why things happen, um, but with the connections that I have in people and the culture and my family, it's hard not to think that there's a God out there because, um, I see whatever being it is in my community. When we go to, um, temple to pray during Rosh Hashanah, we go, and we repent on Yom Kippur. Um, and I see all of us coming together and connecting, um, and praying for the same things, longing for the same things. Um, and repenting for the same things. It's hard not to think that there is a God out there that is helping that community thrive. Yeah, Yeah.
1: that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, I wanted to ask you too about, I mean, you, you, you bring up, um, the, the Holocaust and I, I, I get the sense that within the Jewish community, there is this sense of like, generational trauma almost where um even though like you might be like far removed from from like the holocaust or other like examples of, of jewish persecution in the past like you still feel kind of like the effects of it so correct me if i'm wrong but like is that true and like is that true just within the community
2: so it's i It's a hard thing because I don't want to speak for the entire community. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say for me personally, my family comes from Russia and Poland and they were forced to come to the US because of religious discrimination. I mean, that's why we're there. It was not a safe environment. Um, My dad's side of the family comes from the Dominican Republic and same things because they were Jewish, they were forced to flee. So it's always, and I mean, that wasn't that long ago. That was, Less than a hundred years ago, that my family was forced to come here, um, and so it's always a thought that when, if if this is going to happen, when is it going to happen? When or is the world finally going to have enough um, of the Jews? And unfortunately, we see that um, happening in microaggressions in our current society. There's been a lot of anti-Semitism happening. Um, I mean, just this past week, or I guess a few weeks or two weeks ago now um the Chabad in Delaware was set on fire um, and there was a shooting outside of Vienna temple. So there's a lot of different s- anti-Semitism that's still happening in the world, so much so that it really doesn't receive a lot of media coverage um, because it's so normalized. Um, we were looking at a report um and I don't know if it was from I want to say it's from the ADL um, but that might be wrong. Um, but the Jews face 60% of the world's religious discrimination, um, followed marginally by um, by the Islam community that faces 14%. So there's a lot of religious discrimination that's happening within, within the world for Jews. Um, and so I wouldn't say that it's necessarily trauma from the Holocaust that we're still experiencing, um, but there's still, aggression and microaggression and physical acts of aggression um, that are happening in our world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Jewish people have had an an interesting, is an understatement, but place in history in terms of, I mean, the Holocaust is obviously the big example, but even things that you're saying about from today and these days. And uh, yeah, I think we're, naive if we avoid that or say that that's not true and so even with that statistic you're sharing i appreciate you sharing that so i know i i got to i got to go to auschwitz um once during high school and one of the most moving places and horrible places to be at um but even to to see something like that is kind of changes your mindset a lot and um Mm -hmm. and definitely makes you aware of a lot of You know, evil that happens in the world from from one group of people to another. So, um, yeah, thank you for sharing about that.
2: Of course. Well, and within the Jewish community, we have a mindset that we are resilient. um, Because even back in biblical times, um, we were forced into exile um, for the Greeks and then the Romans. And so this is not something that's been uncommon to the Jewish faith is this idea of exile Um, but every time we've managed to rebuild our community and to go back, um, despite all of these horrific things that have happened.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, like, do you think that that's also affected, um, like your personality and like the way, like the person that you are, do you think that that, that's impacted you and like your values? I
2: (laughs) I think that it's definitely made me more resilient, um, and articulate. I, I have to stand up for myself because there isn't somebody there who will stand up for me. Um, so actually, so when we were in, when I was in middle school and um, we read a book and it was, um, a reference to the Holocaust and it was a children's book and it was some, it was like first they came for the rabbits, but I was not a rabbit, so I didn't say anything. Then they came for the turtles and I was not a turtle for I didn't say anything. Um, and then they came for me and there was nobody left to say anything for me. Um, and that really, that book has stuck with me um, because unfortunately, while there are a lot of advocates, um, you don't hear a lot about the, all the anti-Semitism that's happening because unless you're Jewish people don't stand up for the Jewish. And so it's had, I've had to have this mindset where not everything, but especially when it comes to Judaism, that if something isn't right or something's bothering me, then I have to stand up for it because nobody's going to do that for me.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I I wanted to to ask you too, a little bit about, I don't know if this is even necessarily related, um, but, your, you being a CFV scholar um, at Butler, um, has that, what kind of impact has that made on you and like your college experience? How has it been?
2: So I am definitely the person that believes ignorance is not a defense um, and it should never be a defense. So I try to learn as much as I possibly can um, about things that don't, that don't apply to me just because nobody should ever be in the position where something ignorant comes out because they didn't know. That should never be defense. Um, and so the CFE and being a CFE scholar has really given me the platform to learn. And I love that. I've encountered faiths that I haven't encountered before. Um, and it's really, it's, it's a place where you can ask questions and people aren't there to judge. Um, people don't get offended if you ask questions. And I feel like there's a big stigma currently about you don't want to ask a question because you don't want it to be perceived in the wrong way. Um, but the CFU really does a great job in creating that environment to foster those questions. Um, and so you learn a lot and therefore, ignorance should not be your defense. And it creates a place where you can learn. That's
1: yeah. a really admirable
0: attitude. I like that. Thank
1: you. Yeah and, I, yeah, and I think that that Ben and I can say the same that we've, we've definitely, um, And it it definitely pushes you out of your your comfort zone a little bit and, uh, and yeah, and gives you the opportunity to learn a lot about, um, people outside of your community, um, people that might, that maybe you perceive to be so different from you, um, and realizing that maybe you're not so different, um, which is, which is great. And I think it's something that the world needs. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's also been, been helpful uh, for me, at least for sure. Um, but yeah, and then you mentioned being on the on the Interfaith Council, right? Um, how was that experience? I mean, that's kind of like the, like, what I think of when I think of, like, um, Interfaith. So, yeah, how was that experience for you being on the Council?
2: That experience was life-changing. Um, there's so much to learn from everybody, um, and just really having that small group setting where you are able um, to really connect, to learn, and you learned that while well, there are a lot of differences, and there's a lot for you to understand about why people believe the things they do and how their faith influence that. There's also a lot of connections that you can make to people through that. Um, and it's like, oh, you believe that? Well, I believe that, even though it comes from two separate backgrounds. Mm. Um, and reasons coming up to that, it's still, there's a lot of connections. And I... Would not give up my experience on the Interfaith Council for anything. Um, I think that that was one of my favorite things I've done thus far at Butler, and it was just—it's an amazing experience. Yeah, awesome. definitely.
0: Uh, kind of as a as a wrap-up question, I was just thinking it, it's kind of a three-parter, but um, centered around the idea of hope. So, basically, what do you personally hope for to grow? In your own faith or as you think about the future in your own faith what do you what do you hope for personally and then what do you hope for for the jewish people as a whole and then what do you hope for for other people to understand or learn about judaism so does that make sense
2: yeah i think that my hopes are all connected um yeah. what i hope for moving forward um is that people will take the time to learn a little bit more about Judaism um, because even though we're less than 2% of the population, it's a really vibrant community and it's a really special connection that you can make. Um, That's actually why, so the president of Halal and I, um, this past semester have worked really hard um, on creating a platform where it's that area or that environment of openness and come ask us questions. We are not offended. we're willing to sit down and explain to you and so we hosted several zoom sessions um targeted around that specifically like we're willing um to come and to help learn um not to convert our goal is never to convert but just to come and learn about the Jewish people and that way when you hear things that are happening in the news or you hear stuff get twisted you can come back and be like what is this and we can explain Um, or when you hear about anti-semitism happening you can understand where it's coming from and how it affects us as a community. Um, And then what I hope for as a Jewish people, or for the Jewish people, um, I just hope that we continue to grow. It's a small community, but it's the connections that we have um, and the different people, it's really, it's such a special relationship um, and such a special community. So I hope we keep those traditions, keep those special um, connections within us. And then what I hope for for the world is just I hope that people take the time to educate themselves. Like I said, it's it should not be a defense. And um, there's so many resources that you can reach out to to learn about this. Um, I just hope people take the time to educate.
0: Yeah, we appreciate you giving us the opportunity to learn some too from, from you and from your experiences and your thoughts. And so you've definitely helped us take a step in that direction of learning. So thank you for that
2: well thank you guys so much for having me on your podcast i really appreciate it and i'm honored to be here
1: <laughs> yeah of course um yeah again just like uh, thank you for, for your time uh, have fun on the rest of your your road trip there that that seems like a blast um so yeah have, have a good time with all that as well
2: thank you thank you guys so much
1: yeah of course